The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Mark. Jesus said, In those days, after that suffering, the sun will be darkened, and the moon will not give its light, and the stars will be falling from heaven, and the powers in the heavens will be shaken. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory. Then he will send out the angels and gather his elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of heaven. From the fig tree learn its lesson. As soon as its branch becomes tender and puts forth its leaves, you know that summer is near. So also, when you see these things taking place, you know that he is near at the very gates. Truly, I tell you, this generation will not pass away until all these things have taken place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. But about that day or hour, no one knows, neither the angels in heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. Beware, keep alert, for you do not know when the time will come. It is like a man going on a journey. When he leaves home and puts his slaves in charge, each with his work, and commands the doorkeeper to be on the watch. Therefore, keep awake, for you do not know when the master of the house will come, in the evening, or at midnight, or at cockcrow, or at dawn, or else he may find you asleep when he comes suddenly. And what I say to you, I say to all, keep awake. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. In the name of the Holy Trinity, one God. Amen. The season of Advent has always been a bit of a problem for me. I've struggled with it over the years. I want to be faithful to our tradition of not celebrating Christmas until Christmas. But at the same time, I don't want to be a Scrooge. Trouble here. Let me turn this on. At the same time, I don't want to be a Scrooge or a Grinch and steal somebody else's Christmas, but I've struggled with it over and over again. And it's been a point, I think, that has probably kept me from observing a very good Advent myself. I'm also troubled, as perhaps many of you are, by the extreme commercialization of Christmas. Uh, Black Friday, uh, I think, fell to a, a new low with uh, people being pepper sprayed. Somebody was shot as they tried to get one of those door busters. I mean, it just got completely out of hand. But I think, finally, I have come to a place where I'm settled about it. And it happened as a result of our Thanksgiving. We had not been with my parents or seen my parents for nearly two years. It'll be two years in January. So it was very much time for us to visit them in California. And being on sabbatical presented a perfect opportunity for us to go and be with them uh, over Thanksgiving. So we were there. And uh, while we were there, we had a wonderful time. It was great to be with the relatives and to catch up with everyone. But Thanksgiving was, was really extraordinary. Uh, I always knew that there were some things that we did in a slightly strange way in my family. But this Thanksgiving was a new high. 
We celebrated Thanksgiving at a Mexican restaurant. Now, I won't go into the decision-making process that brought us to that place. My mother had made reservations at five, count them, five different places, and we ended up at a Mexican restaurant. As we were approaching the entrance, you know, in Southern California, it's warm enough that even throughout the year, people will wait for tables outside many times on benches at restaurants. Well, they had that sort of an arrangement. And there was music piped out. And, of course, uh, we were greeted by that, that Christmas favorite, Santa Baby. <laughs> so there we were, celebrating Thanksgiving around tacos <laughs> and Santa Baby playing in the background. We had reached a new height. And as a result of being brought to the very edge I was able to let go of my preoccupation about the perfect way to do Advent. A little commercialism isn't all that bad. Decorating on Thanksgiving Day, we can handle that. It's really all okay. But there's a much deeper and more important thing that I think we need to deal with. And for me, I, I really do try to get beyond this preoccupation about doing it just right. Because we, that can really distract us, I think, from what's really important in terms of the way we observe Advent. It's a very short season. And what I think is particularly interesting about it is that it, it is filled with so many contradictions. We opened our service this morning with these words from the opening prayer. Give us grace to cast away the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Now in the time of this mortal life in which your son, Jesus Christ, came to visit us in great humility, that in the last day when he shall come again in his glorious majesty to judge both the living and the dead, we may rise to the life immortal through him who lives and reigns with you. Those words from the Colic for the first Sunday in Advent pull together these very contradictory and paradoxical themes that are so much a part of the season. Jesus coming as a babe in the manger, mortal, helpless, a lowly birth, surrounded by a great empire that was intent on killing him, which it ultimately did. That is contrasted with Jesus coming as king at the end of time, immortal, in, a, in great power, glory, and majesty to judge the earth and to judge the kingdoms of this world. The quiet of that first holy night, the awesomeness of that second coming, light breaking into darkness, eternity breaking into history. The themes of Advent seem to clash with one another over and over again. Mercy and justice, light and dark, life and death, mortality and immortality, Somehow all are brought together in this season we call Advent, a time which is calling us to prepare, to be watchful, to wait with hope and great expectation for the coming of Christ. The first Advent is manageable. It may not be always completely understandable, but it's manageable. The way we have tended to observe Christmas, that first Advent, is by domesticating it, by making it something that we can deal with. 
So we shop, we give presents, we have parties, we do all those things that uh, help us in a way to celebrate that great season without thinking too much about some of the aspects of it that might not be quite as celebratory. We skip over the slaughter of the innocents, which was also a part of that first advent. We skip over the distress of the family that had to flee to Egypt and the fear and dread that they must have traveled with as they knew that their newborn child was being hunted to be killed. And we often don't contemplate the violence that comes with light breaking into darkness like it did that first advent. The second advent, or the second coming as it's often called, is not so easy to deal with. In fact, I think we find it a bit embarrassing. I don't think we really want to talk about that mystery that is so mysterious that we can't really have words for it that are adequate to explain what we mean by it even. It's something out there ahead of us, something so far beyond our understanding that we usually just don't talk about it. And aside from those who rant on and on about living in the last days and making predictions, most of us, in fact, I would say most of the world, pays no attention to the possibility of a second coming, a return of Christ. We would rather focus on that which is comfortable, those texts that talk about baby Jesus, meek and mild. But the second coming will be something else. It will be very, very different. And when it comes, the whole world will stand in awe. So what about that second coming? One striking feature of the text from the gospel that we had today uh, talks about there being no timetable for that. Uh, It's about expectation and waiting. And I think it's especially important for us to realize it's not about being preoccupied about that potentially happening. We see what happens when people get uh, off on a tangent about it. You'll recall, I'm sure many of you, uh, a minister and uh, his followers were made fools of not once, but twice this past year as he predicted the end of the world and the coming of Christ, or at least the taking out of all the believers. There have been many, many other prophets who have said that they know the time. I remember one years ago who uh, made a big deal about the possibility it was going to happen on Good Friday one year. We were in Southern California. People thought that California was going to fall off into the ocean, so they were buying pool toys to uh, save themselves if that should happen. People get crazy about some of this stuff. But that's not what God is calling us to. God is calling us to a quiet expectancy, to the possibility that Christ will indeed come again. And in doing so, the kingdom will really be the kingdom of God. And we will all be a part of that as God calls all of his people from the far ends of the earth and from the ends of heaven to come together into that peaceable kingdom. The second striking feature, I think, or one striking feature, at least, of that passage that's important for us to pay attention to is the uh, admonition to be awake, to watch. We can get so busy this time of year that we push important things aside that we really ought to be paying attention to, especially in this this uh, time of Advent, this time of preparation. I'm sure that many of you, and I'll include myself as well, 
have found it difficult to find time to pray during Advent. And this is the season we're saying we're setting aside as a time of preparation, as a time of of wakeful uh, expectation. But it's hard sometimes because there is so much going on and we don't make time to pray. I would encourage us as we begin this Advent to think about praying, perhaps about the coming of Christ in three ways. First, to help us have a deeper appreciation and a joy about the incarnation, about God being present in human flesh and coming among us as one named Jesus. I would invite us also to pray about how God is incarnate in us every day, how God becomes present in our lives every day, perhaps in another person, perhaps it's in a moment of quiet when we realize that God is present with us, but to pray about that coming that is available to us every day of our lives. And then I would invite us to pray about that second coming. And what does it mean for me as an individual to be hopeful, expectant, to be awake, to be alert for the possibility that Christ will come again in an instant today? Those are the prayers that I would invite us to. But I would also want to draw our attention to a passage from uh, this first Corinthians reading that I think is so important for us to see near the end of it. It says that he will also strengthen you to the end. We all need help in times that are difficult and we're living in times that are perhaps as difficult as they have been for many generations. And there are people who are going through crises in their lives today who need strength from God in order to get through. And God promises us that God will be with us, not take us out of it, but will be with us through it and will give us strength to the end. And then finally, that that promise that we see here is sealed with these words. God is faithful. It is not our faithfulness that's ultimately at the test. It is God's and God will always be faithful. And so as we begin this Advent season, I would remind us that because of the promise of the second Advent, the second coming, we are, in fact, always living in Advent time. We are always living, awaiting the coming And we are always asked to be prepared to wait with great expectation. May you be blessed this Advent in your waiting. May you be blessed as you prepare and do all the things that are so important for our common life and for your friends and family as you prepare for the Advent season. And may you be blessed, especially as you pray. And as you have hope to live your life, knowing that God is faithful and that God will give us the strength to the end. Amen. Amen.